we always have this mindset that if it's difficult or if it's hard, that gives it worth and that gives it more value. When the truth is when it's super easy, that's when you give more value. Like you said, when you can look at something quickly and go, you know, I do it all the time. Like, just show me your PL statement. I can tell you what's going wrong. Um, and that's the first thing that I, that I look at because I know where to look, but that came with 25 years of doing that consistently. So Welcome to 7 to 8, our special series on 7 and 8 figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over 7 figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to Center Stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Tanya. Tanya, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you again. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you love to do for work. You bet. Uh, so as you said, my name is Tanya Fox. I've been an entrepreneur since 1998. So I know most people who are around my age might think that that wasn't that long ago, but it was actually 25 <laughs> years ago. Um, I have to do the math every now and then. And um, I've owned service, retail and franchise businesses, still owning three of them today. And currently I work with entrepreneurs who've been in business for over three years that just aren't where they wanted to be and don't know why. So I help them tear their business, build it back up again, create passion again, um, and enjoy their businesses. And of course, grow profit. Cause that's why we're all, we're all here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I love that. Well, and I have found that lately, other than SAP or SaaS companies <laughs> who get funding in after, you know six months of being in business that they, they're they like, yeah, we're at a billion. It's, it's pretty good. Everybody else on the planet is like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> it's like, well, I think it's like, you know, I always compare it to that person who like opens up a bar and they're like, this is going to be fun. It's going to be like cheer there. I'm aging myself again, but it's going to be like cheer. I'm just going to sit with everybody. And then you're like, no, it's like mm. a lot of drunk people and people throwing up and having to kick people out. Like it's not, uh, it's not what it looks like on the outside. <laughs> right. Well, and bars, I find are a particularly humorous one because a lot of bar owners in particular don't realize that they work when everybody else is having fun always. And, yeah. <laughs> so it's, and, and you're never in the party. You're always maintaining the party. It's like always being the party planner and never in on the inside. Yeah. So but it's like, it's like a constant designated driver position. <laughs> And if you've ever had to do that, you get it. You're like, oh, I don't want to do that for a living. That's what you're doing. So you do. And not only for a living, but you own the company. Exactly. Okay. Nice. So, uh, yes, we'll talk about the disaster businesses because I find two restaurants, florists, and bar owners tend to be the top three of, wow, I did not know what I was getting into. Uh, anybody else, though, is kind of thinking, hey, I'm really good at this. Like I've seen other people do it. I'm really good at it. I'm going to go and open up my shop. I get a couple of clients under my belt. How hard can this be? Which is always the kiss of death kind of a question. <laughs> well, I think what happens a lot of times too, is that people go like, oh, I really like doing this. It's a no. lot of fun. Let me turn this into a business without stopping and going, this is not going to continue to be fun. 
There is always, I don't care how much you love doing it. There's going to be a point where it becomes monotonous or you're just like, this just isn't what I wanted. So you have to do one of two things, either not start the business, be prepared for that, but also be okay to, to walk away. And and that's what happened to me when I had a craft store, I always wanted to own one, but after five years, I was like, this is not fun anymore. I don't want to do this. And I was okay to walk away, but I also went in knowing this might ruin my love for this hobby that I'm trying to turn into a business. Sometimes it just needs to stay a hobby. Right. Sometimes it does. And sometimes in business, when we're really good at something and we want to bring it out to the world and it's like, okay, but there's, there's going to be struggles in business. And I just got to figure out how to overcome those. In my experience, the best, fastest way to do it is to talk to somebody else that, that that's not emotionally involved in the problem. But we get so wrapped up in, well, I'm smart, I'm competent, I'm capable, I'm doing everything I can. What are they possibly going to see that I can't see? (laughs) Well, and I think that you're right. It is a common error and I've done it myself too. And I've come to realize that I'm really good at fixing stuff for other people, right? We're all really good. The mechanic fixes cars and always has the crappiest (laughs) one. (laughs) Because you just, it's, it's hard for you to kind of see amongst the weeds. And like you said, you, you do get emotionally involved in, in your business or in things you can and can't do. It's easy for me to walk into my clients and be like, get rid of this. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. This is dumb. This is really great. Why aren't you doing this? Like this should be like the top (laughs) thing. Right. Because yeah, like you said, you you're seeing it from an outside perspective and it's a lot easier. So I never try to fix my own business. Like a lot of people think, well, you must have it all together. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) I hire other people to fix my issues because I realize I'm too invested in it. So I save for that. That's one thing that I think was a huge lesson for me was I got to stop trying to think that because I do this for other people, I should be able to do it for myself. That's not the case. And and it's never the case. It's, and I think if we back up the bus and realize that our business is an extension of who we are as an individual, we can only see, see certain things about ourselves and everything else is the filter with which we see. And we can't not see with that filter. Like we have to understand that premise first and foremost. And when you can walk into a business and go, Hey, that thing over there that you're totally ignoring, why are you ignoring that? Everybody's asking for that thing. It's got high profitability. Why is that sitting in the corner? And, and we have so many reasons why so many justifications for so many things that there's just no way we could get past that. It's like a brick wall around it. Well, and usually the most common one is, but that's really easy for me. Oh, and I did it for years. That's, that's super easy for me. So like, I can't charge somebody for that. Like it hardly takes me any time. Like I just do it. Um, and I did that for a lot of years. And then I realized that that's where your superpower is. The thing that you're like, that's super easy. And people are like, I don't know how you find that easy. Um, that's usually where the money is sitting because it's easy. And then it makes work really easy because you're not trying, you know, struggling to do these long, you know, this mentality that people have that, you know, working seven days a week and 16 hour days, like you get a trophy, you don't get anything like that's, that's not good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and, and it's funny because I had uh, my realtor, I, I, I'm a little bit of a control freak, which you may know. So when I went to my uh, realtor, I was like, this is what I want. This is what I, how I want to sell a house. This is who I want to sell it to. I want you to go through all your friends. The reason I'm going through you is because I know you know people like this. I want you to do this. And this is what I'm looking for. And then on the other side, this is a house I'm looking for. <laughs> I had nothing really to do. So needless to say, he brought six people over to the house. One of them bought, 
it was a two week turnover. Life is grand. And it was exactly what I wanted. And I said, okay, now imagine yourself doing that every time. And he goes, people don't want that every time. People want you to work hard. People want you to <laughs> like, I paid for this. I'm like, okay, then you have to find different clients because I want people who do something that I hate doing and they do it super well. And they're so well connected that it happens quickly for them. I want my bookkeeper to know, just to look at my <laughs> P&L statement and go, hey, what's going on over here? Go, huh? You know, that's what I'm looking for. Why is it that our customers are going, hey, if it's not hard for you, then it, I'm not putting enough value into this. Is that their own? Like, I'll just I think it. because people feel, I think it comes down to a guilt, which, which is always what I, you know, my mom always says guilt is a useless emotion that we bestow upon ourselves. <laughs> but I think we always have this mindset that if it's difficult or if it's hard, that gives it worth. And that gives it more value when the truth is when it's super easy, that's when you give more value. Like you said, when you can look at something quickly and go, you know, I do it all the time. Like, just show me your PL statement. I can tell you what's going wrong. Um, and that's the first thing that I, that I look at because I know where to look, but that came with 25 years of doing that consistently. So it looks easy on the outside, but what we need to remember is that our worth is built up of every course we've ever took, every book we've ever read, every experience we've ever had. If you add that all up, all of a sudden it would take somebody else a million dollars, you know, millions of dollars and 25 years to get where you are to make that look super easy. Um, so I don't think we should do that with ourselves, but I also shouldn't, I don't think that we should devalue something because somebody can do it quick. I'd love to bring my car into the mechanics. Like my mechanic is good. I bring it in in the morning. I get it back at night and it's fixed. I don't care how he did it. I don't care right? how he made the sausage. It's just <laughs> fixed. Tell me what you want me to pay. That's fantastic. Like, and then I drive away happy, <laughs> you know, right. like it's, we need to, to keep, to keep that, that in mind. And, and who want, I don't want to work hard. I don't want right? to struggle. Like I did before. Now I like going, ah, I only work three days this week. Or, you know, I'm going to take two months off because I can, and I, you know, and that's why I got into business. So I don't understand, you know, when someone says, you know, oh, I, I work really hard and, you know, I'm always going, I'm like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. Like you need to find somebody who can help you with that. That's a bad problem. <laughs> right. And I think too, it comes down to when they work with somebody like you to be able to position it when they're promoting it in the way that, um, that the client wants it to happen quickly, right? I don't want somebody to, I don't want my surgeon to diagnose me slowly and painfully. <laughs> like, you know, do the tests that are required, great, and get the results back and then be able to look at it and go this, we're doing this. Uh, and I, I think that comes down to one, you know, when they're working with somebody like you to be able to identify what that thing is and then how to verbalize that so that it becomes attractive to the client so that they're in Jay Abraham's words, they have that preeminence. It's you are coming to me because I can look at your PL statement and know that something's wrong. You're not coming to me because we're going to spend six months trudging through your books and trying to figure out something. It's like, I can look at it and just know that something's wrong. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is, you know, I, I tell them all, I will tell you very, very quickly what's going wrong with your business, but I, it's not going to fix really, really quickly. And then people are always like, Ugh. and I'm like, look, uh, I still have 
you know, weight from when my son was born, but I didn't work consistently at it. I didn't, I didn't take that as a goal and, and really work hard and be dedicated to it. My son's 16 years old, not 16 months, 16 years. So, you know, it's still hanging there because I didn't take the time. So I think, you know, you also have to have that realization. I think if, if you're a client or even if you're a coach on the other side is, you know, you want to be able to recognize and be able to diagnose the problem quickly, but be realistic in the fact that there's work involved to get there. Um, because I can tell you everything that's wrong, but if you go, that's nice. And then the book goes on the shelf and you never do it again. Well, how useful is that? So there's, you got to put some, some sweat equity into it to get, to get results. Absolutely. So what do you think is the difference between the people that get to that? Let's call it three-year marker and go, yay, I've arrived. And regardless of where they are and the ones that are like, yay, I've got here and now I want more. I want to go to the next step. I want to go to the next thing. Is it just purely ambition or is there something else that drives them? I think part of it is, is reality of, of owning a business that, um, a lot of times people will go into it. Of course, when you go in, if you're a solo, you know, entrepreneur at first, you're trying to do everything yourself. And then they get stuck in this block of, I don't have the money. Uh, and that's what I see very often. People go, well, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I listen to all these people, you know, who, but a bit you've made millions. So it's easy for you. You have all of this money, you know, to kind of spend. I don't. And so they stagnate themselves in that because they're looking at it as buying something. I don't have the money to buy an assistant. I don't have the money to, you know, to buy a coach as opposed to I'm investing in something. And that's a hard mind shift for, for I find entrepreneurs to make because it is an investment. You want to get something back out. You should be getting your money. Anytime you hire a coach, if they're good and they're taking you on that journey, you should make the money you paid for them back and then some. That, that's mm-hmm. the goal to anything you buy. But people get stuck in that mentality. So I always tell them, think of it, you know, especially if I'm talking to, you know, to female entrepreneurs, I go, think of your shampoo bottle. Like when it's full, I mean, you have all the shampoo in the world, like it doesn't matter. But then all of a sudden, when you get down to, you know, like less than a quarter of the bottle, somehow you make that shampoo bottle last weeks and weeks and weeks. Same thing with the toothpaste, right? We can, we can stretch that sucker out. We'll cut it open and scrape it out. But we don't do that in business with our finances. We don't look at things of what can I invest in that's going to give me a return. We just Mm -hmm. think I'm just going to do the same thing that I've always done and just hope that that something else happens <laughs> or they go, you know, I'm kind of doing okay. So I'll just sort of stay here. And they transition themselves from an entrepreneur to a business owner. Now, some people might go, that's the same thing. Well, to me, an entrepreneur is somebody who's constantly innovating, somebody who's constantly growing, constantly changing, trying to get ahead. A business owner is somebody who's bought themselves a job. So they go to work. It is what it is. And they close at the end of the day and they go home. There is a difference between those two. Kenya and I have very different definitions of those words, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just want you to understand that the whole name of the show is Business Ownership Podcast. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so just a forewarning there, and that's okay. Um, so with that definition, entrepreneurs having the zeal and the zest to innovate and a business owner going, hey, I'm just, you know, I wanted to buy a business. I have a business. It runs. I'm happy. I'm content. And status quo is where we're going to end. We're using that definition for the rest of the show. Um, and 
in that, I have found that those, the ones that kind of are going, hey, this is all I wanted. This is all I wanted to create. I'm done. And it is kind of an impossibility to get past that from an outside perspective, I think, to go, okay, like there is so much more you could do with this business. Your potential here is fantastic. But if you're not willing to take on anything, and I think they get back into that employee mentality of, well, I can't work twice as hard. It's like, well, you don't have to work twice. <laughs> I, I know you got here and you figured this out. But again, it's not uh, working 2xing in order to get the results. It's making little tweaks and changes in order to be able to make huge impacts that leverage your ability to make money. I mean, it's like bringing a new product online. You haven't really done anything more necessarily. And it sells. Well, all of a sudden, it's new revenue for something that was just sitting collecting dust. Well, and I think... And, and that's kind of what I mean by that, that business owner, I guess I should say business owner slash employee mentality um, that you have to, and some people that's all they want. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the choice that you make. That's totally okay. I mean, we're all allowed to make our own choices, but you know, where, where is it that, you know, if you're going, I don't want to work all of these hours anymore. That's, that's probably the most common one. I don't, I, I mean, I became an entrepreneur, so I didn't have to do all of the things all of the time. And I got to take time off. Then it's being able to invite somebody else in to be able to go, Hey, can you give me an idea of somewhere that maybe I can use this? Cause a lot of times we think, Oh, I just need somebody to come in and like, help me out. Or, you know, not realizing, no, this is where you're spending most of your time. Because if you sit down and write down absolutely every single thing you do for the minute of the day for a week, I guarantee you anybody who is an entrepreneur or business owner will go, I didn't realize I spend that much time doing stuff. Um, you have to be brutally honest with where you're doing it, right? Um, but but we tend not to do that. So we you know, again, we're, we're sort of stuck in the day to day and we think, wow, I worked really hard today, but was what you were doing benefiting you or was there a lot of wasted time in there? Because that's where that mentality of I work really, really, really hard is, is just because you're there a long time. It's not because you're actually working <laughs> quote <laughs> air quotes around that quotes. working <laughs> big air quotes. Well, and so, so many questions, so many kind of concepts and things. Let's go back to when, in my experience, every entrepreneur has wasted money on something that didn't work out. And I think you almost have to, you, you have to accept that you're going to, <laughs> it's just part of business. You will hire somebody that doesn't work out. You will. And it's probably because you didn't know how to train them. You didn't onboard them properly. You didn't <laughs> communicate with them well. Um, so the onus, our onus comes back to us as the decision maker in that but how do we kind of minimize the, the impact of, you know, I bought into the marketing of this. I thought it was going to work. We did it. They didn't deliver anything that they said they were going to do. And then they ghost me and now we're gone. And so that money has gone. Fine. If I do that three times, it's my habit, not theirs. <laughs> so I got to look at doing something differently. But let's assume that somebody's in that point where they're going, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for the fact that I keep hiring coaches that don't help me. I keep hiring, uh, you know, help that doesn't help. What can they do to, to bypass that habit? So here's the, the usual thing that I say that kind of irks people a little bit. Yay. <laughs> what did you do wrong in this situation? Because if it's happening over and over again, it's you. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and so that's usually one of the questions I ask whenever I work with somebody, how many coaches have you, have you gone through? Uh, if it's, if it's more than three, then, then there's something going on. And I love those people. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, okay, let's dig into what, like what they're doing wrong, but people often don't do that. Right. They'll say like, oh, I, I paid somebody and then they didn't deliver. This happens a lot with virtual assistants. I paid this person. They were supposed to come in and take care of everything. Mm, nope. Um, you delegate tasks and they complete those tasks. Were you looking for an office manager? Those are two different things. So it's really sitting down and going, okay, like why didn't this work? What was my role in that? And then when you go forward, you can either take that situation and change the way maybe you're delivering what it is that you want or being more specific in what you want. Sometimes we go, well, I hired a media coach, but I didn't get more clients. Well, what did you, what conversation did you have? You know, were you talking with them? Where was that communication open all of the time at, you know, two weeks in, did you go, why, what's going on with this? Like, I'm not seeing anything, but sometimes we get scared, right? We're paying somebody more money. We're scared to question them to say, Hey, I'm not seeing my return. Um, it's okay to ask those questions. They should have an answer. Uh, that's the difference. And then you can pull out if you need to pull out, but there will be those moments. I mean, I had it two years ago where I spent tens of thousands of dollars and went, that was not worth it. But I then sit there and go, okay, where did I go wrong in that? And what lessons can I learn out of this? So I don't make all of the money a waste. Um, and now I ask better questions. <laughs> I'm going to pay somebody that much money. I ask a lot better questions and I do a lot more research beforehand. So it's really taking a look and go, where, where did I go wrong? I used to love that. So let's talk about when you made your first million. Kind of how long did it take you in business to go from kind of zero to a million in a year? Five years. Cool. And, and a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, I was one of those people that was, you know, the more time I put in, um, the, the more money I can make. And then I just kept hiring the more people I have, the more invoicing I can get out. Um, and so I got really, really big. Um, what I consider pretty fast, um, five years felt, felt really, really fast. Um, and I burned out even faster <laughs> because Aww. I didn't do it the right way. Cool. So what are some of the mistakes that you made that you can see now and going, Oh my God, I would have done that different. I think for me, it was hiring too fast. Um, I was putting people in the wrong spots and I, I, I just thought that growing equaled success but I didn't grow at a rate that was comfortable. Um, and I thought if I like turned down something, if I turned down a job or whatever, because I knew it was going to be a struggle for whatever, for us to fit this project in, I still took it because that meant more money. And I was like, I was just trying to get like, I just got to get to that one mill. I just got to get to that one mill. Um, so for me, it was being more realistic. And now I'm more realistic in my business. How fast do I want this, you know, to grow? Um, and, and it's okay to say, no, <laughs> you know, this, this project doesn't fit with us. I'm, I'm going to burn everybody out. And so we would have these huge highs and these huge lows, like a roller coaster, because we were taking tons of clients and then we were, you know, working 16 hour days and then we would drop down and then everybody would burn out and we would take some time off. And then again, and, and I just didn't learn that lesson for the longest time. So the money was in the bank, um, but I didn't have any time to spend it. And I, then I kind of went, this, this isn't what I thought this was going to be. <laughs> I thought this right. was going to be, don't you make a million and then you just sit on beaches? Right. Isn't that the way it works? 
I thought that was the way it worked. And then I realized, (laughs) nope, that's not the way it works. (laughs) So I think, you know, being really strategic with like, how fast do you want to grow? Is this going to fit into, into the timeline that, you know, that is going to feel aligned with the time that you want to work with the amount that you want to spend and then, then go from there. So don't just go after a number, go after what it, where you feel comfortable, um, and grow in that. And that might be a million dollars and that might be, you know, 500,000, that might be 200,000. It has to work for you. Um, and that was the biggest mistake I made is going to a comfort level as opposed to a money level. I love that. So somebody's building their business and they're going, okay, so I, I'm looking at my comfort levels. Maybe that means pushing that million dollar mark back if that's still important to them. And and I keep using that as a as a mile marker for this. Obviously, it's the name <laughs> of the show and, and everything else. And understanding that there are businesses that, yes, they make a million, but their expenses are 1.3. Okay, yeah. so that is not an ideal lifestyle. And so understanding that the marker is just a marker. It's like any statistics that you're looking at that are skewed. There are a lot of things that you want to look at in building a business that aren't necessarily just revenue, because obviously revenue isn't just the thing. Um, And it's not the sustainable thing. So there are industries that will come and go, like the crafting industry. I assume during its boom, it was a lot easier to be able to make a lot of money in that industry than it might be, say, today. Um, I can't imagine for life me that it has the same ferocity that it had at one point. Um, So talk to me about businesses that have that kind of, there is an obvious market flux and it's going to happen and it's okay. And how do you kind of plan for that? Or can you? I think, I think that's just it. I mean, we hear a lot of people that, you know, will say, oh, I, I make seven or eight figures, but when you get, if you can ever get your hands (laughs) on their financials, you realize, sure, you're bringing that in. But like you said, there's more than that, that going out. So really being honest with your numbers, because um, you know, I, I have a client that I'm working with right now that, you know, makes $200,000 and people are like, that's crazy, but that's what she clear. That's what she takes. That's her profit. Um, and, and that's, you know, once she started changing that mindset, she was like, oh, I don't really need to make those six figures to be comfortable in my life because I just take this and I know like, this is, this is what I get to live off of. And then she gets profit on top of that and all of those other things. So I think it's being realistic and, and truly, unless you see somebody's financial statements, then, you know, take what they say their income is with a grain of salt, because you don't know what number it actually is that they're pulling off of, but don't ever compare. There's just no, no value to it whatsoever. You have no idea where their spouses are at, where their family's at, where their kids are at, where you have no idea what's going on in their life. So just stop right there. (laughs) Well, and I think you have to decide what works for you. So when I was in my twenties and rocking this business, it was fantastic. Like I loved having 30 plus employees. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the diversity of it. Now I'm like, no, no, it's okay. (laughs) I'm at three. I'm happy with my three. No, thank you. I just, because there's, there's different stresses that come along with that growth of your business. And you just have to decide what you're willing, frankly, to tolerate in it. Right. So, it's kind of like I compared it to going to the bar when you were young. It was like, yeah, I want the loud music. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Now I walk into a bar like, no. 
all the people crowding around you and you're like, oh my God, like- I want to sit somewhere quiet and talk to my friends and enjoy the night. And so for me, I think that my, you know, my goal of what I consider, um, you know, to be successful has changed over the years, but I've learned to accept that and to be okay with that. And, you know, and in that, you know, that shift of, of, of changing businesses, which is a hard thing, right? People start a business and a lot of people are like, I have to do this forever. Um, and, and I've seen that through all of the businesses that I've owned that people are like, why, why are you getting rid of that? It's successful. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm bored. I don't want it anymore. I want to, I, I want to do, I saw something shiny over there and I want to do that. Um, and it, but it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. And even when I've owned like multiple businesses, like I had a martial arts studio, a bread franchise and a craft store and a bookkeeping company all at the same time. And people were like, I don't understand how those connect. And I'm like, you don't, they don't need to, they don't. <laughs> they don't. I can make them if it will make you feel better. <laughs> But they don't need to. It was just that's that's kind of what we wanted to do at that at that moment in time. So I think it's being okay with those ebbs and flows and knowing that you don't need to know what you want to be when you grow up and you are allowed to change and you are allowed to let a business go like a bad relationship or even a good relationship of going, I just don't love you anymore. It's time for you to go love somebody else. It's okay. You don't have to hang on to it forever. But I, I mean, I suckered in that. I still have one business. The first one I ever started, I still have it. I should let it go because, but I, it's, uh, it was my first one. I'm having a hard time <laughs> letting it go. So we all still go through that. The other ones I'm like, ah, you can go, but this one, I'm like, that's my baby. <laughs> that's hilarious. Are you still involved in day-to-day operations with it or? No, it's, I call partners. it my little cash cow. So I just like, <laughs> you know, I'm the picture on the wall that I come in. I'm like, how are things going? And, and, and stuff like that. So I still and they laugh and go, yeah, we're not. And they laugh you. and they go, it's okay. <laughs> um, so it's more of like an advisory sort of thing. And I, I play with it a little bit and, you know, we'll try different things, but I know it will get to a point, you know, probably in the next couple of years that I have somebody that I've been grooming to, to kind of take it over that, you know, I'll sort of, I'll let that go. Um, but right now I'll just hang on to it because nice. there's that hard thing, right? When you, when you've started a business to let, to sell it to someone else and be okay with, they might drive it into the ground. Um, and you have no say in that you have to be okay with, they might make it better than what you ever did. And they might make it worse. Well, and, and it's not just at this level too. I mean, you see that with corporations buying out corporations, right? They, they bought out Zellers and then they just vanished Trashed and disappeared it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and poof it's gone and it's like oh okay that's what we're doing with it now and I but can't then imagine- all of a sudden you're seeing like stuff now they're all like zellers might be coming back so <laughs> you know it was probably somebody that was along that line somewhere beforehand that was like oh, i made this great <laughs> we're gonna do this again <laughs> we're gonna do it again <laughs> i'm gonna fix this you can do that too with your businesses you know exactly exactly and i, I think once the biggest kind of this is my baby i can't handed over is that first employee or that first customer service person that you're going, Oh, are they going to screw this up as, uh, you know, how am I going to fix it if they screw it up kind of thing. And once we get over that and you're like, okay, we can do this. We can do this multiple times. I can hire a bunch of people to do this thing. This is great. And now it's kind of the, almost the exact same emotions on a higher level of, okay, I'm selling you my business. Are you going to 
uh, you know, what are you going to do with it? And realizing that really these are just ideas you have and you're an idea making machine and you can come up with more and better and, but you have to be able to kind of let it go once you've manifested it. Once it's, once it's three-dimensional, it's like, okay, just like an architect, now that your house is three-dimensional, it's time to let it go. Somebody else is going to move into that house and you got to move on to the next one. Well, and I think realizing too, that other people have really good ideas too. Um, <laughs> and that was the biggest thing, you know, for me, as I was growing to that million dollar mark was stopping and asking, like, what would you do differently? You know, asking the lazy or like who everybody goes like, God, Jim, poor Jim. I pick on him so much, poor but Jim. Jim is like the laziest guy. He's so freaking lazy, but I kept Jim because when something was taking everybody lots of times to do, I would go to Jim and be like, how would you right. do this? Cause Jim always did it the quickest way. Cause he would rather have nothing on his desk. <laughs> so there was a lot oh. of learning from him of going, I got to learn from this guy. Cause he's taking shortcuts that I would never think to take because that's just not how I learned it. That's not how we do it here. You mm -hmm. know, those kinds of things. Um, I would even like when I had my retail store, I would have people who had toddlers. I would say like, Hey, would you come in you know, on this day I'm doing like a, you know, I'm moving the store around and stuff and let their kids crawl around and any of my kids section, whatever they touched, I made sure I put it, that was like, I put it down lower and because they're, they, I knew they were going to grab that stuffy or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, so most people were like, so really you're taking the layout of your store from kids. And I'm like, but that's the, yeah hundred percent. Why do you think chocolate bars are at little kid high level in right? every store now? They weren't at the beginning. <laughs> they yeah. took them out of their eyesight, out of their range. And somebody went, mm, no, those are the shoppers. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying that. I mean, I've had some employees that like have come with like ideas and stuff like that. And, and I'm like, that is insane. No, we, like that's the stupidest that. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> But I will write all of them down because it might not make sense right now, but sometimes it'll make sense down the road. Um, mm -hmm. Or I can spur off of that. Or if all else fails, you just be like, <laughs> remember when Jim thought we should do this with the business? Like that's, a, remember when he thought we should change Zellers? Like, that's awesome, You're right? <laughs> but there's always some gems in it. And I think, you know, no matter who it is that you're working with, whether it's clients or whether it's employees is, is actually giving that, them that open space to make changes. Um, because they're the ones who were in it, right? They're, they're in it, their hands are in it every day. So how can you make the dough better? Ask the person who's making the dough. Um, and when we own franchise, this is what they never did. This was like the, you know, one of the worst things is that they would not ask the people that were on the ground, how do you think this could be better? Um, so they paid millions and millions of dollars. And I'm like, if you just ask the driver, they'd tell you the route, <laughs> right? Right. So it's just remembering that those people that you have, have ideas. So, so listen to them. And it, it just, it also fosters that relationship with them where they feel like they're a part, especially if you make that change, right? right? That's, that was a huge thing. And, and that really helped me because then more ideas came and they felt more inspired. They felt like they could, that their opinion sort of mattered in it. And it saved right. me money. Cause I didn't have to pay people to do, you know, a public, you know, uh, survey or anything like that. I, just get them to do it. <laughs> so nice. I love that. Well, and it always reminds me of a story that my dad used to tell. They were way up north many, many moons ago, and they were dragging cables across the rocks and tundra to get from one place to another. And my dad, like Jim, it was like, this is like way too much work for no reason. So dad basically 
took a bunch of dead branches, stuck them in the ground, made a little V's and put the cables in the trees and just pulled them through the <laughs> through the branches. And I was like, this is way easier. And so they their team got done, you know, in a fifth of the time of everybody else. And the foreman came over and it's like, what the hell are you guys doing? And it's like, we're done. We're waiting for you to get here so we know what you want us to do now. And he's like, this is not my fault. And then he realized what had happened. He's like, okay, I kind of feel like an idiot. And we're going to do this everywhere. This is kind of smart. But people in business do that, right? Like right. what used to take me an hour might mm -hmm. now only take me half an hour. Yeah. But I don't bill at half an hour. I bill at the hour <laughs> because that's how long it should take an average person. Like mechanics are the best at this, right? This is how long <laughs> it takes to do breaks. If you can do the breaks in half the time, that's fine. You still get paid the same amount, right? It's that mentality of just because you do, you do something faster because you have experience behind me doesn't mean that you charge less. That's how you work more, right? You have to be realistic with it, obviously, but, um, you know, I, I don't charge how long it takes me. I charge how long it should take me. I make a lot of more money that way and get to spend right. less time doing it. I love it. So you brought up a fascinating point in running five businesses. What did your average day look like? Like, what were you doing in an average day running five companies? So well, I had the one that was kind of sort of running itself. So that yep. usually was just like, you know, checking emails on that one, making sure that there was no fires or anything to put out. And it was only about once every couple of quarters, I would have to go in and, and, and do stuff. So, so that one kind of, I mean, you can count it in there, but it didn't take a lot of time out of my yeah. day. One, I was in all the time. So I was there from 10 in the morning till like five at night. Um, but what I did was that I sectioned off my day to work on the certain businesses. So depending on how much time they needed, that's the slot that they got. So I never worked more than that time that I was in the office. So it was really, really learning how to time block and then being okay if I was halfway through an email. So if I blocked like an hour to do emails for company C mm -hmm. and the hour ended, because I had like a timer on my desk that would go off, that email would sit empty until the next time I could go back. And let me tell you, as somebody who's kind of like you, who's a control freak, that <laughs> drove me crazy. <laughs> but I remember hearing somebody say that, you know, you'll stop caring what other people think of you when you realize how little you do. And I would constantly think, but that person's waiting. Like, I really think that in my head, I thought the person was like sitting at their computer, like with their hands clenched going, is she going to answer? Is she going to answer? Like the three little dots on a text. You were like, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what she's going to say. When realizing that's not the reality, they do what I do. Like they saw the email responded, they walked away. <laughs> um, so it was really being diligent with figuring out how I wanted to, how the best I could spend my time to get the most amount of stuff done and be okay to leave stuff for the next day. And it was hard. I mean, there were some days where I was in there for, you know, hours on end and I would get the phone call, like, are you ever coming home? Because <laughs> I wasn't managing my time. So learning to manage my time was what really helped. And to also realize that, you know, an email can just be two sentences. It does not have to be paragraphs, right? Like it, right. if it's a simple answer, just answer simply and not feeling like not over explaining. Cause that's a bad habit that I have. I would over explain the situation. Now I just explain shortly until they answer more questions. I just, I'll just assume that if they want to know, they will ask, <laughs> which right. is hard. And I still struggle with today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think that's part of the development of an owner is figuring it out because to me, 
to me, the ultimate goal is to be able to run companies without having your fingers in them, right? My goal is like Sir Richard Branson to have 400 companies that I own that aren't dependent on me to make decisions in the day. I'm not talking to the front end person yeah. going, can I do this? Is this okay? Does this sound right to you? And it's like, those aren't the decisions we're meant to be making. Well, and trusting that mistakes will be made and Mm -hmm. that's okay, but allow them. So if the other people who are running the other companies, I know will make mistakes and I know some of their mistakes will cost me money, but here's the thing. If they call me and they're like, Oh my God, I did this. I totally screwed up. I'm like, okay, just try to find a way to fix it and then let them fix it because that skill allows them that the calls start to get shorter and shorter and shorter because what they would do then is they would make the mistake, fix it then send me an email and be like, made this mistake, fixed it. We're good to go. And then I was like, oh, perfect. But sometimes like we forget mistakes are going to be made. Just let them make it, let them fix it. Let them, you know, sort of create that superpower. And for the time, like what I do is, uh, like I said, in that week, take a week and write down every single thing you do. If you get up and pee it, like for every single minute of the day, then hide, like pick different colors, pick like green for like personal stuff or pink for work or whatever and highlight just on a separate calendar for that week, just highlight the color of everything you did in those minutes. And then look at the color chart. Cause it's, if you look at what you did in the week on a calendar, you will justify everything you did. If you see it just in like highlighted color, which is what I did, I went, oh, I spend so much time doing personal stuff. <laughs> like, or I just like spent time talking, like if I talked to somebody, I would do that in another color. And I'm like, I have got to stop having hour long conversations with people that could have been 15 minutes. But seeing it without being able to justify what was in that block helped me to look at it and just see the colors and go, okay, this is where I'm spending too much time. This is what I need to pay attention to. Um, Cause you put words in front of me and I can be like, oh yes, but that was Bob. Bob's a good client of mine and da, 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 right. There's always an explanation. Otherwise you don't, you can't, you can't do it. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what I did in that time, but there's a lot of pink on this day. Thanks. <laughs> So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of the clients that you've worked with. Um, oh, I think, you know, this is going to be a weird one, but it, it's a really good example. Um, and I love this one. So I had a lady that I worked with that she was at the five-year mark. Money was good. Um, she had a couple of employees. She, she was pulling steady income from the business, but she was kind of like bored. She didn't really know what she wanted to grow it to or whatever. So she hired me to come in and help and help her out. So we kind of went through, you know, what some of her goals were, what, you know, what she wanted to do with this company and sort of tore it down. And in the end, it turned out that it wasn't this business that she wanted she really wanted to do something completely different. So she had a retail store, but what she really wanted to do was help other entrepreneurs. So the Cinderella story is I got to sit with her and say, you need to sell your business. You can't do this anymore. This isn't what you want to do. You want to do this. And once we transitioned to her, I said, so I'm not going to help you fix this business, but I'll help you set it up to sell it. And then what we're going to do is get you started on a completely different path. And once she started on that new path, she was, she had more time than she ever thought she was making money so much easier. She loved her days and she was starting to make, um, more more money with less work and more joy. And so that to me was like the best story. And then within a year and a half of us working together, she said, you know, it was time, like she was renewing again. And she said, you know, 
I just, I kind of feel like I've gotten all that I could get. And it, she said it was like such a nervous call for her. And I was so excited because for me, my biggest success story is when somebody says, I feel like I've outgrown you. Um, and she was one of those people that very quickly outgrew me, which was amazing. Cause nice. if you outgrow me, that means I've done my job. Um, and that's exciting for me, but I know it, it was very nerve wracking for her to kind of say that. Um, so I think, you know, for me, those Cinderella stories are when, when the light bulb goes off in someone's head and they start to realize this is actually what I want to do. Um, and it's possible. Nice. Love it. So what are some of the things that somebody might be going through right now while they're listening to all of this and going, Oh my God, I need you in my business. What are those indicators? What are they struggling with? Usually it's, if you feel like you're just going to work every day, like you're just in it and you're, you're kind of doing the step. I go in, I open up the lights, I turn the sign on. I, you know, if it feels very monotonous or if you're also feeling like, you know, this isn't where I wanted to be. And I'm reading all of these books and I'm taking all of these courses, but nothing is changing. That's usually when you're, you're stuck and you need someone else to come in and be objective with what it is, you know, that's going on. So it's that kind of like, you're like, I like it, but I'm not like super excited to go to work every day, but it pays the bills. If those are the kind of the statements that you're saying, but there's that, there's that tiny little seed in there. There's that, you know, that little spark that you're like, but I'm just not ready to give it up. That's when I can come in and just really reignite that into a bonfire again. Nice. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? The easiest way is to visit my website, which is foxtalksbusiness.com. You can find all of the ways that you can work with me, our upcoming programs, uh, my weekly podcast as well, um, and all the ways that you can connect with me on social media. And if you're just curious and you're not too sure if that's for you, I also do a, you know, a free discovery call. I'll get on and tell you what I think in the few minutes that we, we chat with each other um, and, uh, and let you know if I am for you and if I'm not who I think you need to, to look for. Nice. I love that. So I get to ask you at this point, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Eight. (laughs) In hindsight, eight. And the only reason is because I started a lemonade stand and then I started like three other ones. And then I got other kids in the neighborhood to work those stands while I sat down, (laughs) me and my girlfriend sat down and we collected the money and then like we really were like creating a little mafia, but <laughs> I think it's like looking back, I think that was the little spark in me that I was like, this is, it's really easy to make other people make you money. <laughs> nice. So in hindsight, looking back, I think it was like those, you know, those, those moments where you just kind of do something that people are like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I love that. And, and I also have to ask, so in your, in your vast experience of entrepreneurialness, was there any kind of awesome blooper moment that you can share with us? Oh, I think the funniest, and I still do this to d- today, when texting became a thing in business, yep. it's never been a good thing for me. <laughs> so 
I have one client and I don't know why I constantly do this to him because it is very much not intentional, but uh, he would always be the last, he would message me at the end of every day. So 6 PM, he would message me. Sometimes it would be 8 PM, but usually between 6 and 8 PM, he would message me and he would say, this is the top three things I had. This is what I accomplished. And I wouldn't text anybody else. And then I would like text my husband or something be like, Hey, I'm going to bed, meet you there. But the text would go to him, like go to my client. I don't know how many times I invited that guy to come to bed with me. Luckily, luckily he has a very good sense of humor and he would be like, well, I'm in bed with my wife right now. And I wouldn't see the text until the morning. Right. But like every time I screw that up because I'm multitasking, um, I think those are kind of are the the funniest moments. And and I mean, I've done it to other people, like sent weird things or whatever, or like yeah. hung up a phone call and been like, okay, love you. And then been like, oh, no, that wasn't, I'm not supposed to, <laughs> you know. Um, but luckily most of my clients know my sense of humor and, and I've been able to get away with it. But man, in the moment, those are humiliating. <laughs> right. Yes. You and you're like, great, I've, I've just, you know made a sexual innuendo towards a client. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's not the career path I was hoping to take. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Jenny, you have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? I think, you know, when you're going about your day, I think the best thing that you can do is remember that there's always going to be somebody who can't see your worth. Just don't let that person be you. Nice. Love that. Tanya, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you, Michelle. I had so much fun. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to share the show with your friends and subscribe to the show. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.